0: Welcome to Bio, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. Bio is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm Bio member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. On each episode, we'll talk with a biographer about his or her work. The story of a pioneering Black female attorney who worked for a prominent special prosecutor is all but lost to history. But writers Dr. Marilyn Greenwald and Yoon Lee knew immediately when they learned about Eunice Hunton Carter that it shouldn't be. The book they wrote as a result of this commitment is titled Eunice Hunton Carter, A Lifelong Fight for Social Justice, published in 2021 by Fordham University Press's Empire State Editions. Thank you both so much for joining me. I'm really grateful. Thank you. Okay, well, so why don't we start with the odyssey that began when you noticed this picture of Eunice Hunt and Carter at the Mob Museum in Vegas? What were you both doing there together, first of
1: all, and there at all? Well, let me, I'll take the beginning of this and you can take the second part. We, we actually worked together. I was at a family wedding in Las Vegas and the family had about eight hours to kill, you know, before another dinner. And so I happened to read a review of the mob museum that was in the New York Times. And it said, you know, this is not a cheesy museum. This is a serious museum, which it is. It's, it's like a Smithsonian museum. So we went there and... Then I saw, you know, in the room with Lucky Luciano in the sensational trial of 1936, I saw photos they had on the wall of the 20 best attorneys in the city, you know, to get Luciano and we're looking at him and it's, of course, white guy, white guy, white guy. And then there was this black woman. And I remember, I, and I was working on a biography of Pauline Frederick at the time and I was heavily into that, but I, I turned to my husband and I said, there's gotta be a story behind that you know, but I couldn't do it. I looked her up briefly, couldn't find much. So I said, well, no one seems to have done a book on her, but I let it go. And about three or four years later, I came back to it and I said, um, I contacted the mom museum and I said, you know, what's the story on her? I didn't even remember her name. And they emailed, oh yes, not only was she, you know, gave her name, not only was she on this team, she made the link. She's considered the one who really was pivotal in leading to the prosecution. So one thing led to another and I thought, well, this is great. Could not find any papers with her. you know. So it's like, well, what are we gonna do for primary sources? The only time I even really saw anything that she was maybe a page in some anthologies, which is good and bad, nobody's done anything. But on the other hand, there doesn't seem to be <laughs> much. So right. Ewan, who was a grad student at the time and very good, you know, she'd done papers for me. She was looking for a project. And I said, you know, just for the heck of it, let me just tell you about this person. I couldn't find anything. Maybe you can. I don't know. There's no papers, I don't think. And now you and you could <laughs> you
2: could discuss. Yeah, so this. at first, and I was Dr. Greenwald's research assistant for a year. Uh-huh. Um, and she asked me to look into Eunice Carter. And at first, I couldn't find much about her. But I, I was very curious about this big investigation, due recent investigation into organized crime in New York City. And I started doing more research into that. And the first thing that really caught my attention was this big radio address that he did to announce his kind of kickoff of his investigation. So he gave a big speech across all of the New York City radio stations, and he asked the public to submit tips to him, to his investigators, And at the same time, what's really interesting that it was that he actually explicitly asked the media for help. He asked cooperation from the media. And then he said something like, crime cannot be investigated under a spotlight. And I thought that was so interesting because I just couldn't imagine anything like that in today's day and age. And I actually went to um, the University of Rochester, where his papers were housed. Um, Yes, and I found a lot of letters and correspondence with Dewey and, you know, from reporters and editors, publishers. So it was very obvious that Dewey really cultivated a friendly relationship with all the press, all the newspaper editors and reporters. And he kind of, he was kind of like a PR genius. Mm -hmm. And he really um, manipulated the press in a way to work to his advantage. And then we ended up writing a research paper on that, just on the piece of journalism history together about Dewey and how he used the media and his relationship with reporters and editors.
0: Mm -hmm. And I love that Dr. Greenwald was your professor and you were the (laughs) student and now you yourself are a business reporter for CNBC. So after this research paper, you went out and started your career. How did you decide to turn it into a book?
1: Ewan is, uh, I mean, she's a great researcher, right? so she found this link with Dewey, and I thought, well, we're getting there. I don't think we have a book yet. Well, anyway, I think, Ewan, you found some poetry and some reviews, some short stories that Eunice wrote when she was twenty twenty-one for this journal, and she said, this is really interesting. She's a really good writer, and then I thought, you know, let's see what's happening here, and I found out the name of her mother. Well, then her mother was a writer. Her mother wrote, you know, at the turn of the century. And her mother was an activist in actually suffrage and civil rights and really believed in the power of the written word, which everybody should do that, but Black people particularly, you know, Mm -hmm. and her mother, turns out we found out a lot about her mother. Then this opened up about her father. Her father was a lead executive with the international YMCA. So he was a force and he was from Canada, a black man. They sent him down to the South to integrate the wise. You can imagine what that was like, you know, a black man. And he was kind of naive. He was from Canada and he kind of led this sheltered existence. But anyway, so then you and I started talking and we said, you know, we think we might have a book here because we have the family, we have archives. She's already been to Rochester. There are letters at Howard University from her father to her mother. So. I guess it's fair to say one thing kind of led to another. And then I said, you know, I think there's a book here. And, you know, you and what do you think? And, and yeah. then Yeah, it
2: just it just became the story became richer and richer as we did more research. And I was lucky enough to be able to co-write the book with Dr. Greenwald. And in terms of dividing which chapters to write for me. I lived and still live in New York City, and I'm really close to the um, municipal archives of New York City, where mm-hmm. they have a very extensive collection of the Luciano trial, you know, investigation letters from the public, minutes of their meeting, transcripts of the trial. And it was a really a gold mine for us, and it really adds a lot of colors to, you know, describe the investigation into organized crime for Dewey's team. And yeah, so I kind of took on that part of the book and obviously Eunice's role in the prosecution as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you didn't say, but she, even when she was a student of mine, she liked you know, going to the courthouse, police records, and it's interesting because I've been to archives and I was a reporter, but one thing I never did was court report. I just never did that, even though I had a variety of beats. So it ended up working well because Newen liked, you know, the court beat, the police beat. And a lot of people don't like that beat. Right. Like, even at the time, I, when she was a student, I said, she said, I want to do courthouse. And I kind of said, are you sure? <laughs> so that's not a top beat for a lot of people. So that was a, just a weird serendipity thing because she liked and was familiar with courthouse records and police records, and I really was not. So that fit in, yet I'd been to archives many times, so regular archives I was familiar with. So Mm -hmm. it just fit really well, I think.
0: I love the story because it's sort of this infectiousness that comes just simply from curiosity on a simple museum visit which you know I go to one a week if I can and you're always seeing something interesting and here it is it's turned into how many years of a quest for the two of you it's incredible yeah. how long has it been from start to finish
1: well the book um, came out in you know last year so when did we actually start up you and
2: I, came, I think, it was a while ago 20 2019 2018 Yes. We wrote the paper together 2018, I, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. And how how did the delineation of the work go? Because that is also fascinating to me. I can see how it works with the research, especially the way you described, you know, your various interests, but how do you parry back and forth with the whole manuscript?
1: Well, what we did from the start, and we knew we had to do this, we, you know, you do an out, you do a chapter outline for a book proposal, which we did, and I had done that before. Um, the downside of that is, I've talked to other authors, you don't always follow the book proposal once you, you know, get into it. And I think most authors agree with that. It's just, you know, things will happen, you don't follow it. But I said, well, let you know, we have to do this, let's do it. So then we said, you know, I kind of came up with something and I said to you, what do you think about this? She added. And then we both, you know, put our little initials by each chapter, you know, like, are right, you do this? You know, you know, I'll do this one. And as you said, you know, a lot of the New York stuff, particularly the primary sources that was you. I mean, you know, she was there and the whole business. So it wasn't all that difficult to kind of divide it. What I was worried about was when we start doing this, are these divisions going to work? And I think they did about 80% of the time. I mean, you know, we did have to change some things. But you know, when you're doing it by yourself, you know, you can throw the whole thing out and start over again. But when there's like two of you, it's like you don't want to force anything. But you're saying hey this is what we have and once if we change anything it's a chain reaction and it affects more than one person but I think most of it you know worked and we were lucky in that way is that how
2: you remember it? Yeah I think Dr. Greenwald um, focused more on Eunice's early life and her family life and her social justice work after the investigation and my part was dedicated to more of the investigation and her relationship with Dewey um, and the Luciano trial. And we both also looked at a lot of um, newspapers, another primary source for us, um, a lot of period newspaper articles from the New York Times, uh, you know, Amsterdam News, uh, New York Post, and we kind of just passed materials back and forth oh this mentions Eunice's appointment to do his team oh you should use that and I think it was a little bit challenging at first for us in terms of the organization because of the sheer volume of material that we had Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of emailing back and forth a lot of folders a lot of Dropbox. And yeah, it was really fun.
0: It's so much like journalism, writing a biography, and yet it isn't, right? Because you do have so much more to wade through in a longer lead time than at CNBC. You don't have the time to do this kind of digging, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, what I do daily is very quick, you know, headline based, not a lot of, you know, in-depth, future writing, which I really like. So I was very happy and lucky to get to do all this with Dr. Greenwald. I was lucky to do it with you and <laughs> so we
1: were lucky.
0: Well, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful to see that, you know, you have this relationship that's carried, you know, after your graduation and that you're together on this book tour too. I mean, how has the reception been to Eunice's story? It seems to me in reading it, it's just so it's like a movie. I mean, it's just mind-blowing actually her story. So Has there been interest in it and how has the reception been?
1: Well, I think it's been really good. I mean, you know, I'm used to when I've done other books, it's like, you know, for the first year, you know, you want to take advantage of that because then the book will be a year old. But this, as they say, it seems to have legs. I mean, I just we were just talking in a local half hour television show here in Ohio because they linked it to the Supreme Court you know, when they just named um, Ketanji Brown uh, Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. So a friend of mine suggested to a friend, well, you know, she she did this book, they did this book on this, you know, lawyer. So that was done. And um, the BBC did an entire radio documentary on her and interviewed both of us. And I just heard about a month or two ago from somebody from the BBC, and they're doing a whole podcast on her because the reaction to that documentary was amazing. And I think it's been pretty good. We had a, an op ed, what well, kind of an edit, you know, a column in Ms. Online and National Law Journal. But, but it's like anything, we have really pushed for PR. I mean, you know, every, every author knows, maybe not Stephen King, but most authors know, you know, you <laughs> got to do your own PR you and I have laughed because we've said, well, doing the PR is more time consuming than writing the book, which yeah. is an exaggeration. And and it's funny because you and I, of course, we still have a relationship. She keeps calling me Dr. Greenwald, though, even. <laughs> so it's funny. We, we did one um, Zoom thing and she kept saying Dr. Greenwald. And, and I kind of said, yes, I insist she calls me that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's very, very, very yeah, nice. Forever. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. I'm in graduate school right now. I'm 58 <laughs> years old, and I call my professors who are younger than me, Professor Ford or whatever, just even though they keep saying no, no. So I hear you, oh, you. Good for I you. Have a you, lot going
1: in grad school, you know that our hats off to you for this. Thank <laughs> you.
0: I love it. It's fun. And I'm studying biography, even though I've written them. So to wrap up on that note, I mean, Dr. Greenwald's at one point in her career, Ewan is another point in her career, and you're in different places. Do you see doing this again? This is an alchemical moment, I feel, (laughs) with Eunice being that perpetrator. So will you do it
1: again? Well, it (laughs) depends if we come up with another idea, although I know Ewan is, she works like a 10, 12 hour day. I know. I mean, I'm lucky enough. I don't do that, but she does. But I don't know if there was ever another idea. (laughs) You know, it's like they say. You get the idea. It works out. That everything was in place. The stars aligned. And I'm not saying we wouldn't, but I don't know. You would we get another? Yeah, we
2: need to brainstorm idea. But I know Dr. Greenwald is working on her next project, and it's very exciting. Oh. So I'm, I'm
1: not going to say anything. Yeah, just, no, no, but, no, 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 like, no, no. Sorry, no spoilers. No, no,
2: that's all right. It's just
1: that I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm superstitious and don't want to jinx. It. <laughs> yeah, Got but it. we'll see. This is already your fifth book. Yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is fifth, and it is the only time I, you know, that I've ever done a book with a co-author. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I recommend it. I think you recommends it, but there does have to be a chemistry. I think you know. I mean, I, we had mm-hmm. never had an argument, unless we have, and I don't remember. We've never had an argument. And I think it would be really horrible, wouldn't it? To like, you know, yeah, I it can't imagine. Together. Yeah, it would be almost like a marriage and you're fighting. I mean, I, so <laughs> we, you know, we haven't ever had an ar- argument. We've gotten along at well, But I think that's something to consider if you're thinking about a co-author.
0: Yes, it's like many business deals fall apart. They seem very romantic at the beginning, like many romances and then the reality of it. I mean, writing this book, just looking at your sources and all the places that had to be mined and knowing that it wasn't an easy, I mean, it's never easy, but with someone who's more of a hidden figure, it's much harder. So knowing what you had to do and the stakes, but also the enthusiasm, I would think coasts you through as well. So
1: absolutely. That's great.
0: Well, Congratulations this is best for the broad audience of people who, or the the specific targeted audience of people who listen to this all want to do what you've just done. And it's a great example for anybody who's lucky enough to find the right character as well as the right co-author. So thank you for your time.
1: Oh, thank you, Lisa.
0: And uh, I was a broadcaster for a long time. It's so much more fun writing books, I, <laughs> but you don't have I to do that. It's good doing both, but the books are so it's very exciting to
1: dig. It's, it's addicting, isn't it? It it kind of is addicting.
0: It is. And biography in particular, I guess people who write thrillers feel the same thing, right? They write one and then they do another, but biography is a particular sort of quest. Especially the
1: archives. I mean, you and I have talked about this. You're in the archive for eight hours and it seems like an hour. I know time
2: just (laughs) flies by so fast. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, Thank you both so much for your time and um, good luck with everything. I do hope somebody options it. We'd have to get somebody to make it into a movie. (laughs) Let's
2: make it happen. Has
1: Thomas Dewey ever been in a movie? Has a character of him. He's a fascinating character. I mean, I did a lot. I read his memoir and did a lot on him. And I even said to my husband, I said, I can't believe, A, that this guy has never been president and B, nobody's done more on him. He's a real fascinating character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we
2: did get some inquiries from people who want to turn our book into a movie or documentary series, or, but we know these things take forever to um, develop, so we'll yeah. see. But there's a huge demand for stories about Black figures and women, female figures today. So we'll see if it ever happens.
0: Fingers crossed. <laughs> she deserves it, but she deserves the book you wrote, which is great. <laughs> We appreciate your comments. Ohio State Professor Emerita Dr. Marilyn Greenwald and her former research assistant Yoon Lee, now a reporter at CNBC, are the co-authors of the book Eunice Hunton Carter, A Lifelong Fight for Social Justice. I spoke with them via Zoom on October 17th, 2022. You can hear more about bio on our website, biographersinternational.org. Sheree Newman is our podcast editor. I'm Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to B.I.O.